Welcome to Open to Wonder, the podcast where we wonder about all kinds of faith questions, big ones, small ones, weird ones, and hard to talk about in church ones. I'm Karen. And I'm Chris. This season, we're going beyond Sunday morning to explore how faith is formed during the hours we spend outside of the church's buildings and programs. If you've ever wondered how faith is both formed and lived out in daily life, you won't want to miss these conversations. So pull up a seat and wonder with us. Hey, everyone. We are so glad you've joined us for this fascinating and encouraging conversation about intentional faith formation. Today's guest is University Pastor Mary Holst. What Mary shared about how faith is formed in the lives of students is something that the whole church needs to pay attention to. We also learned from Mary what it means to approach Scripture with curiosity, why it's important to pay attention to God's provision, and the two words that strike fear in the hearts of her students, and maybe in you too. All that and so much more right now on the Open to Wonder podcast. Today, we have the opportunity to talk with Pastor Mary Hulst. Mary, since 2009, has been serving as the university pastor at Calvin University in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, where most of the students call her Pastor Mary. Um, prior to her current post, she spent eight years serving as the senior pastor at Eastern Ave CRC in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, and shortly after that, she left to pursue a PhD in communication ethics from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Mary is a gifted preacher, and her book, A Little Handbook for Preachers, 10 Practical Ways to a Better Sermon by Sunday, uh, serves as a foundation for her uh, coaching work now with Preacher to Preacher, uh, and we'll plug that a little bit later on as well Thanks. and tell you how to check that out. Um, currently, Mary is working on a devotional for young adults, and I, for one, am eager, even though I don't call myself a young adult, am eager <laughs> to uh, see that devotional as it comes out. Thank Me too. you. Thank you. Um, me too. <laughs> thank you. And I know it's needed, right? I have an actually sidebar, a young adult who asked me not that long ago, mom, I, I would love a devotional. Can you recommend one? Mm -hmm. and, and it was a challenge mm -hmm. to, um, to, to find something. So I'm looking forward to seeing that too. Thank um, you. I'm also looking forward to your answer to this question, Mary. Okay. I Took a look at your Twitter, and I, according to your Twitter handle, you are generous with chocolate, hugs, humor, and grace. And so we are just coming out of a pandemic. I'd like to know which of those four things, chocolate, hugs, humor, and grace, you needed more of during the pandemic. Which did you rely oh. on a lot? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I wished I could have relied on hugs because I didn't have enough hugs. Mm -hmm. I relied on a lot of humor. Uh-huh. Um, my husband and I uh, binge watched, um, we, we, we watch comedies. We are, okay. that's our, our shared love language. Like he also appreciates any show that has like, you know, let's figure out how this dead body got killed. I'm like, mm -mm, no, 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 no. <laughs> so humor got me through a lot. Chocolate right. got me, I have to limit the chocolate. Let's be honest, uh -huh. you know, yeah. but um, 
And of course, I think grace, but the things that I moved toward, I needed a lot of humor. I was so, so sad, um, yeah. you know, March a year ago when everything shut down. And I, I said, you know, all the fun parts of my job just disappeared. Right. And I think so many of us felt that. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of us have dealt with a lot of vocational dissatisfaction in the last year that really had nothing to do with what our jobs are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but had a lot to do with what they turned out to be for this last year. Oh, and so, so true. Um, being able to laugh and escape, I read a ton of books um, just to get in different stories and some weighty and a lot not. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, you know, have a bit of escape. Yeah. Yep. Really, really good. Mary, you, you work with university students. I do. And um, what do you love? about mm. university students. What mm. is it about that that age group, that that cohort that you love? Yeah. I love so many things about them. I love their playfulness. I love their openness to exploring things. I love their vulnerability. Um, I love it that when they come to me and they say, um, here's what I'm, I'm trying to figure out or work on or learn about. And I give them advice. Like, you know what? We have groups about anxiety. And I think you'd really be helped by joining this group to understand how to manage your anxiety. Or if I say, oh, you're learning how to pray. Here is Here are a couple practices I invite you to try. Or let's talk about this. So I'll say, hey, do this for a few weeks. Let's meet up and let me see how you're doing. And I'll tell you, they are all about doing their homework. They get mm-hmm. it done. So they're like, I went to the group, I tried it, or I did this prayer practice. I liked this. I didn't like this. I want to do more of that. I read the book you gave me. They are invested in their growth. Wow. And it's, you know, everything about them right now is, you know, they're learning, they're growing. And and when I was a parish pastor and I would have somebody like my age come to me and say, you know, I'm not quite sure, blah, blah, blah. This is what I'm dealing with. And I would say, hey, here are names of two therapists. Check who's taking, either one would be great. Do six sessions, right? Just do right. six sessions and deal with this stuff with your mother or this stuff with your, you know, in your marriage or whatever it is. And I'd see them, you know, like a couple months later and be like, hey, you know, were you able to connect with therapist A or therapist B? And they'd be like, oh, I haven't gotten to that yet. I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I get that, right? Yep. It's It's hard when you're, middle-aged person, you're trying to manage your own life to fit those things in. But when you're on a college campus and the counseling center is right here and you're managing your own schedule and there's a lot of just, yeah, I'm going to try that. Yeah. I'm going to do that. So it's a joy to work with them. You see them grow up. Um, You know, they just uh, become you know, they come in at 18 wide eyed and not quite sure. And some of them have very strong ideas about what they think they're going to do. And then they take those first classes and go, Oh, I don't want to do that at all. (laughs) Right. Um, and their lives always get disrupted at some point during these four years by the, you know, choices that they make or tragedy that comes into their lives. Um, things they didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah. And to be able to be their pastor and love them and walk with them through stuff, I, it's a holy privilege. Mm-hmm. So cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, Mary, one of the um, one of the things we talk about, and I think you're you're naming it 
for the students right now is that you have that privilege of just being present with them in the midst of all those questions and discernment and that. Mm -hmm. um, was there in your own journey, someone like that? Um, you know, someone who you say, you know, I was in this space and there was this person who walked with me or there was this person who spoke into my life. Like who, who might've been some of those people for you along the way? Yeah, that's a great question. I was, I was, uh, blessed to go to Holland Christian schools and I loved my teachers, loved them. And, um, they were able to call things out in me, um, that I just so value, like, you know, giving me the opportunity to lead or to speak in chapel or do different things. Um, my pastor, when I was in middle school was Terry Lipinski, uh, who's now gone to glory. And Terry was the first person who said to me, you're going to be a minister when you grow up. Mm. And we weren't even ordaining women as deacons at that point. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, Terry planted that seed. Uh, he took a call to a different church when I was in eighth grade, that he would come back every summer to preach at our church and go to a cottage here in Michigan. And he would say to me every time he came back, like, you're getting ready to go to seminary because you're going to do this. Wow. wow. And so That's I went incredible. into high school. Yeah, really thinking about like, why don't we ordain women? Like, what is that about? And so I, I studied reformed hermeneutics on my own just because I was trying to figure out why we didn't ordain women. And by the time I graduated high school, I thought, well, I don't think scripture allows this. I think scripture mandates this. Like, I think this is how we're invited to use our gifts side by side, men and women, yeah. for the glory of God and the edification of God's people. So when I came to Calvin then as a student, Dale Cooper was my chaplain and Dale gave me opportunities to lead and to teach and um, said to me, yes, you, you can do this. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, those were some key people in my life who said, uh, we see this in you, we believe in you. And at a time when the institutional church was going back and forth on the whole thing to have people who were like, no, you're, it'll be all right. It'll yeah. be okay. Um, it was really important. So, so what uh, for your own faith formation, kind of your own journey in that? What what was that like to be in a context where you have some respected leaders, pastors, chaplains who are who are speaking kind of this prophetic word into your life, and being in a denominational context that was like, eh, we're not so sure about this. Uh, you know, you're navigating that space. How did that impact your faith formation to be in the middle of all of that? Mm -hmm. For me, it was really important that I knew what I believed uh, scripture was teaching. That I wasn't just, you know, that I really studied um, to figure out like, is this true? Am I believing this because I want to believe this? Or am I believing this because I believe that this is what scripture actually says? Yeah. And so my belief in the infallibility of scripture actually strengthened through all of that. Hmm. Um, and it wasn't like, well, I'm just going to ignore scripture and do what I want. It was like, I will only do this if yeah. I see that scripture affirms this. Yeah. And the other thing was, you know, I was very open to what the Lord was up to. 
So my faith formation was very much like if the Lord's inviting you to serve, then you you're open handed and you just say, okay, here, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I didn't go to Calvin like feisty, like I'm going to get ordained in the CRC. That's what I'm going to do and forget those other people. It was very much like, boy, I would really love to be in ministry. I'd really love to be in parish ministry, but I, I see what's going on here and, you know, we'll just let things unfold. And when, um, and it really taught me to pay attention to the Lord um, Mm. because when I was at Calvin, you know, I would have people who would say, why don't you just be a pastor's wife? Or, Mm. um, you know, I know I'm friends with you, but I don't agree with this. And every time something like that happened, every time there was a discouraging word within 24 hours, someone else, usually somebody I didn't know Mm -hmm. would say something to me like, Hey, you led chapel yesterday and I'm still thinking about it. Wow. Wow. That happened every time. That's amazing. And so I was like, all right, Lord, I'm just going to keep walking. Um, and when I needed, like when I was in seminary and I needed a summer assignment, there was one church willing to have me. When I needed an internship, there was one church willing to have me. Uh, after I was getting ready to graduate, one church, right? So I say to students, like, you just need one thing. You don't need five wow. options. You need one. Yeah. And so... You know, God was very consistent with me. It's like, I'm just, it's very daily bread, manna, just what you need when you need it. And so my faith formation during that time was very much like, I'm just going to keep walking the path that he lays out and pay attention to open and closed doors. Um, And so, you know, that's, and I've tried, I think, when I give my testimony and I talk about it, I say like, you just, you just got to be paying attention, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and the discernment, the communion of saints is so important. Um, So I would check with people like, am I hearing this right? Mm -hmm. Am I reading this correctly? Um, Does this, does do what I, what I see about myself, is that accurate? (laughs) Or am I seeing things in myself that you're like, yeah, no, you're not actually that. Yep. Um, am I hearing the Lord right? Am I reading scripture right? So uh, when I was a seminary faculty person, we talk a lot about your, you don't just have an internal call that's like, I think I'm going to do this. You have to have an external call where the church says, yes, please do this. Yep. And those things are mutual. Um, they've got to go together. And, and so my faith formation was very much, and even now when I talk with students about you know, what is God's will for my life? I say, what did people tell you you're good at? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what do you, how has God wired you? Um, what do you love to do? Uh, those kind of questions come out of my own understanding of how the communion of saints and the Holy Spirit work together mm-hmm. yeah. to invite you into a life of service. Mary, you talked about the importance of paying attention, um, noting, even if it's this one thing God is doing, looking for the answers in how God is, in, in, in the things God is doing and kind of sometimes really obviously laying in front of you, maybe sometimes not so obvious. Um, 
and trusting in that. I'm wondering if there were particular faith practices, like, you know, you mentioned you you looked at scripture and said, oh, I, I think scripture is saying this. And are there faith practices that have really formed your faith, things that perhaps you began doing as a young adult that you still do today, or things that you say to young adults, try this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Can you talk a bit about that? Mm-hmm. When I was a student at Calvin, uh, I went to chapel every day mm-hmm. and it was just a habit. And I'll say that um, that's when worship was becoming more and more um, diverse in style and what we were doing. And that trained me how to worship in different styles of music, different languages, uh, different liturgies. And so that gift of every day I worship. And at the time, you just don't think about it. You're like, it's 10 o'clock. I go to the chapel. This is what I do. But it shaped me in so many ways around a deep love for the global church, a love for different kinds of liturgy. Hmm. Um, It lowers my defenses. If we have a new song that we're Uh. singing, it's like, I learned how to sing new songs. I can do this. (laughs) And so one of the things I'll often say to students is, I would... With a Calvin education, we don't want you just to be able to get a job anywhere in the world, which you will be able to do, but we want you to be able to worship anywhere in the world. Uh So if you end up in Accra, Ghana, and it's a two-hour Pentecostal service, you're fine. You're fine. Or if you end up in a tall, steeple Presbyterian church, and it's very formal, and people are wearing the pulpit, like, you're good. You're good. Because you know that the church is global and large. So the daily worship really formed me in ways that I didn't even realize until after I was done. Wow. I also just love scripture. I find scripture fascinating. And so um, I would read scripture every night before I go to bed. And I still do that. I just read through it, you know. Mm -hmm. And there'll be times like right now I'm finishing the gospel of Matthew. And there's still things I'm like, what is that about? Hmm. Why does he say that? You know, um, I want to learn more about that because I find scripture is just an unending trove of super interesting things. And I find Jesus endlessly fascinating. Hmm. Um, and there are things I think I just don't understand what he's doing here. Yeah. You know, and, And I think I can't wait to teach about that. I can't wait to learn about that and teach other people about that. So that's my, like, my move is like, I want to learn this cool thing because I bet other people have questions about this too. And I'm super excited to teach them about it. Well, I love that that you're saying, you know, you're, you're reading scripture and you've got all these questions about it. And um, I know when I was not taught that that's a, that how to read scripture by asking questions about it. Um, it sounds like that's really shaped the way in which you engage with scripture and that you teach that to kids too. Like, can you talk mm-hmm. about that? You know, people who are fearful of, well, when you, you know, what, what, is there a question that's not okay to ask? Are there ways to ask questions? Like, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talk about, so when I'm, when I'm working with a student, I always say like, tell me your church background. Mm. How did they use scripture in your, your congregation? How did your pastor use it? Because that will teach me, and they'll be like, well, you know, he would do a topical sermon, and he would pull a lot of verses. Or, um, or like, she always preached all the way through a book, right? Those, that helps me understand where they're coming from. Right. And then I'll say, what are you curious about in Scripture? Mm. Tell me what you want to learn about. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
then we'll come up with a, a reading plan. Like, do you just want to read through it or do you want to like dwell? Because both ways are good. Lots mm-hmm. of different ways. You know, I always say like, there's no wrong way to do scripture and there's no wrong way, wrong book to start in. Like you want to start in Leviticus, you go right ahead. Like, you know, you want to jump right into Hosea, knock yourself out. That's um, awesome. And so I'll say, you don't have to be afraid of it. Like there's so much, right. particularly in the Protestant clergyness, we feel like, well, there are people who are trained yes. to read scripture and they really know what they're doing. Not always. But, you know, we kind of have this understanding that there are professionals, like step aside, let the professionals do it. And I want to say, no, no, the whole point of the Reformation was to put scripture in the hands of regular people. Mm-hmm. Like you have access to this, you read it. We believe that the Lord speaks to us through scripture as individuals and as a community. So you need to cultivate that muscle too. You know, there are people who interpret scripture wrongly. Absolutely. But um, I would much rather do corrective work on people who are really reading scripture than deal with people who never read scripture. Yeah. Um, and what I find more and more is that students just don't know how to read. Um, they're, they're not quite sure where to start. Yes. They feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they have a question, they're like, well, I don't know who to ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the more we can do with scripture, just to say, let's lower our anxiety around, um, I say that my students fear two things, the word Bible and study, like (laughs) kind of freaks them out. It's like, I don't know how to do this. This is overwhelming. I don't know what to do. So if I say to a student, I want you to dwell in Psalm 139, and I just want you to read it every night before you go to bed for the next two weeks. And I just want you to come back to me and tell me what that was like. Yeah. And it's okay if some nights you're just reading it to read it. And it's okay if other nights you're like a verse just hits you between the eyes and you spend more time. At, mm-hmm. right. But just mm-hmm. let's start there and see what that does. Yeah. Um, we use, uh, we recommend like the Dwell app. <laughs> it's a great app for listening to scripture. Our students have really appreciated that. The Bible Project has terrific videos. Super great. If, uh, we have more and more students at Calvin who have very low Bible knowledge. They just haven't grown up in that context. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, before you start taking religion classes, just re- watch Bible Project videos. Wow. Have an yeah. understanding of the overview of scripture and the characters and what are the books about. And, mm-hmm. and then um, Pray As You Go is also an app that a lot of our students have appreciated. It's a mm-hmm. short 10 to 12 minute um you have music from someplace. The, the It comes out of England. So you have people with fun accents who read scripture and then ask questions about it and then read the scripture again. So a lot of my students will listen to that in the morning as they walk to class. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so if I give them like those things, like that's bite size, that's doable. It's not like, let's read the whole Bible in a year. Right. People, ah! But if I say, here's an app, Right. Listen to 10 minutes when you walk to class. They're like, oh, I can do that. Yep. And they don't even realize it's Bible study. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, putting the kale into the chocolate yes. smoothie. It's like, <laughs> well, it, it's, yeah. And it's, it's, but it's doable and it invites curiosity and, okay. and it makes the Bible living and breathing. And, you know, oh, that's great. 
Yeah. I, I you know, I, th- I think as you're, you're talking, Mary, I'm, uh, it seems to me part of what you're doing with students is a, a bit of overcoming their fears, but maybe a bit of recovery work from their, the image that's been created for them or that they've created about what it means to relate to God, that it's only going to happen if you're in this formal setting, or it's only going to happen if you have this high degree and you've got ordination and recognized a certain way, or, you know, you've got to master a new technique about this way of interpreting, you know, whichever translation you happen to pick up. Um, or be gifted for your graduation, uh, high school graduation Bible. Um, you know, it's it, it, there's something of that that what you're describing seems to be really how do we make this accessible and not fearful uh, for yes. people to engage yes. in in faith formation. Yes, that's exactly right. Yep, and I have some students who come from contexts where doubt was simple. Like you weren't invited to, like that was not allowed. And so um, I'll say in my messages when I'm preaching, you know, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to struggle. Like scripture is actually full of people who doubted and struggled and, you know, like you're in good company. Um, And for some people, (laughs) you know, every now and then I'll get a student who'll sit down and be like, well, I'm sure no one's ever asked you this before. And I'll think, oh, try me. (laughs) Let's let's see what you got, you know? (laughs) Because if you don't come from a context where people are asking biblical and theological questions, you think no one does this. Right. Right. And so um, I want to say to preachers, like, please move toward the harder conversations around scripture, you know, preach the hard passages because your students are reading them and they get freaked out and they don't know what to do about it. Right. Um, And I also tell my preaching students, I'll say, if you preach every sermon to the seventh graders, everyone will like it. Hmm. Everyone will listen. Everyone will take something away. Don't preach to the adults. Let them listen in as you preach to the seventh graders. Because every parent I know if their child is listening to the sermon, they're thrilled. Right. They're thrilled. Yeah. Right. So you want to target the sermon to your seventh and eighth graders because that means everyone else gets to listen in. And the people that you really want to have an understanding of this is how you read scripture, those middle school students, those high school students, they get it. They're like, yep. oh, this is how my pastor does mm-hmm. this. Yep. Even the way you're framing that says to me that. There's something about the expectation that the preachers have as they enter the pulpit that they're supposed to speak to the adults and that they have to sound studious. They have to sound like they have learned the theological language. And and so it seems to me that even in, in what you're doing with the preaching students, you're saying to them, you actually have to grow in your discipleship because you you think it's all about sounding smart and preaching isn't. Um, that isn't the goal of it. Not the goal. You know, and I'll say we often, our first impulse as preachers is to imagine that everyone's like us. So if we're married and we have three kids, we preach to everybody who's married and has three kids. You know, if we're moving toward retirement, we preach to right. everybody in retirement. And we forget, like, you know, you've got parents of newborns who haven't had a full night of sleep in 
forever. Right. And, you know, they're just dying. <laughs> um, and your 40-minute sermon isn't going to help them. Is it going to help? <laughs> like, please stop with a 40-minute sermon. Oh, my stars. Stop. Uh, stop. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I get tired of 40-minute sermons, and I literally do it for a profession. Could you talk a little bit about um, how you are being formed by people from other generations? I mean, you've been talking about college students, your engagement with that university age, and and Mm -hmm. some of the things you're learning and seeing and you love there, but... What about other generations beyond that? How how are you being shaped by the whole breadth of God's people? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were in church Sunday um, in person, and um, it was one of our few. Like we're slowly getting back to in person, mm-hmm. and and I was looking around at who was there, uh, and a lot of it were, was our elderly saints, and and I was just thinking look at how faithful they are. Just mm-hmm. here they are. And, and we were singing, uh, we sang like a new song and, and I was watching them because, you know, it'd be so easy for them to be like, could we just do greatest life faithfulness as it's written in the hymnal? Do we have to do it all funky? You know, do we have to do this weird <laughs> refrain before we do? Right. And I'd be like, I'd, I would get that hundred percent, but I'm watching them and they're learning the language and they're leaning in. And, and I just think, here they are, 80 years they've been yeah. in this congregation or another one doing this, learning all these songs again, yeah. right? Putting up with the latest trends in church, whatever. Um, and, you know, and this morning, once more time, they got dressed in their Sunday clothes mm-hmm. and they came to church and they have their tithe check and they're, and I was just so moved by their faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I just think of all the people who could stay home, you would think some of our elderly saints might be like, you know, I'm good until this <laughs> nope. whole thing gets yep. calmed down. Yep. And I was like, that's awesome. You know? Mm. Yeah. Um, we have a, a dear friends in our church who are expecting, and it was a, a surprise. And to watch them respond to God's gift of another baby. And they're just like, here we go. You know, like, right. how do we go? And I just think, way to go, yeah. you know, yeah. young parents, like way to go because their lives are already busy. Right. Yep. And the Lord's like, and here you go. You know? <laughs> 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 um, and I was just, I'm just so moved by their faithfulness and their response to God of like, all right, you're entrusting us with one more little person and, mm-hmm. you know, we'll yep. do our best. Um, I just, I just love that. I just yeah. love that. Mary, those descriptions paint such a beautiful picture of, of what's so beautiful in a church context. Um, one of the things we also like to do in this podcast is ask what we call hard to ask, hard to talk about in church questions sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris mentioned earlier, you know, some of the work you're doing with stu- with students sometimes is, he said, recovery work, yeah. helping them, you know, unpack maybe things that they have to kind of unlearn or, or learn mm-hmm. differently. And, mm-hmm. and I know for many um, young adults, church has not 
always been a great place or they've got a lot of questions about being part of a church in the future. So we're wondering what breaks your heart about the relationship between the church and young adults? What is, what is that thing that's waking you up at night or that, you know, mm-hmm. that hard thing mm-hmm. um, that you grieve for them? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the last five to six years, particularly in the United States context, has been very hard on our young adults mm-hmm. and on our uh, rising generations. Because as one student said to me, like, the church taught me to care for the poor and that Jesus looks out for the marginalized and um, beware of power. And that I don't, I'm now I'm looking at a church and they're just talking kind of generally about, yeah. you know, uh, looking at a church that seems like it's totally sold out to power. Yeah. And, and I don't get it. And this particular student was a white, uh, white American. And they said, I don't understand why I wouldn't be all in with the anti-racism loop. Like, why would I look, give a side eye to any of that when these are the oppressed people finally finding their voice? And it may take them a while, but I'm not going to judge how they express their pain. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get why we're judging how oppressed people are expressing their pain and yeah. seeking to gather and, um, you know, organize. Like, I don't get why we're judging that. Yeah. I don't get why we think pro-life is limited to unborn babies. Yeah. I don't understand why we're not against capital punishment and you know, euthan like why aren't we like so so they're they're thinking all y'all taught me this in Sunday school. Yeah. And I don't see you living it out. Mm-hmm. That's the disconnect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um and they're trying to figure out what good is the church. Yeah. Um and I've had a number of students who kind of started now, particularly in pandemic life, but they've started little house churches mm-hmm. because they're like, um, I want to sing and pray and read scripture with my friends. Yeah. And I'm like, great, do that. Absolutely yeah. do that. You know, and I'm not like, well, who's supervising your doctrine in life? You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to let the Holy Spirit raise this up um, because I think the North American church have just built up some idols and our rising generations are calling us on it. Yeah. And they're like, really, this is who you want to align with. Right. Mm-hmm. This is, this is who you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what you want to be for. And this is what you want to be against. Really? No. I don't get it. And and these are people from all political persuasions. Yeah. Um, this, you know, it's not like this is a bunch of people who might fall into a particular political camp. These are students from all political persuasions who are looking at their parents, their grandparents, their aunts and uncles and saying, what are you all doing here? Mm-hmm. Yep. And yet they're uh, cre- like you're saying there, some of them are saying, well, we're, we're going to do a house church. Like mm-hmm. they're craving yeah, that sense they of love community, Jesus. right? They love Jesus. They love that expression of being part of this family of God that gathers, that worships, that does all these things. So, um, it, it's not that they're saying, "Oh, I don't want that," right? I, I don't want that whole that whole religious right. thing. They're saying, "I don't want the way I'm seeing it lived out because that, that is counter to Scripture to me. That's counter right. to how I was taught." 
That's right. Um, wow. That's right. Yeah. So when churches are known for covering up, you yeah. know, whether that's abuse in the Catholic Church or abuse in or pastors' affairs, or when there's anything that it's like, boy, if y'all would have just said right up front, hey, this is what happened. This is how we're dealing with it. Right. Right. You know, we have so many students for whom they know of someone who was uh, hurt by a youth pastor or a priest, somebody, and they're like, yeah, I'm out. I'm not doing yeah. this church thing. Yeah. You know? and it's like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. We have pastor's kids who are like, yeah, I'm not doing church. Mm-hmm. I saw what it did to my mom. I saw yeah. what it did to my dad. I don't have, I don't, nope. Yep. I don't want anything to do with it. And no. it has nothing to do with scripture. It has nothing to do right. with Jesus. It has right. everything to do with how people treated their parents. Right. Yep. So, yeah, that's the kind of thing that we need to pay attention to. Yeah. And we need to give them freedom to say, all right, then what spiritual, you know? Right. Yep. Um, how are you going to be part of the communion of saints? Because faith isn't Jesus and me. It's communion of saints. So if the church isn't going to do that for you, what are you going to find? What are you going to do? What are you going to build? Um, who's going to be your people? Because you got to have people. How, how do you move in that context towards hope? Um, both for yourself, who continues to hear and have these burdens, these weighty burdens laid on you by students, and I'm sure faculty and staff and others as well, but people are bringing their burdens to you um, of the ways the church has injured them, (laughs) and you are standing somewhat in the gap there, being a representative of Christ and his body, saying there's still hope. (laughs) How do you do do that? Where do you find hope for yourself in the midst of all that? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I'm always encouraged when a student says, you know, like I had uh, a conversation with a student just a few weeks ago, um, and she was talking about how she she's graduated from college, um, hasn't really found a church, isn't really interested in looking for one, works. This is the other thing. A lot of these young adults get out, and they've got to work two jobs to pay right. off college loans. So going to church on Sunday morning, when that's when they can do their other job, that, yep. So for this student, for example, there was now she could do church like online now, but, you know, a year ago. that was, So um, so what gives me hope is that she says, you know, I love Jesus. I believe in the resurrection. Um, I just don't know what to do with the church. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like, well, OK, we can work with that yep. because mm-hmm. I'm not the one who fixes the church and I'm not the one who mm-hmm. defends the church. Mm-hmm. I, that's not my job. Right. Jesus is Lord of the church. Yep. He can defend the church. My job is to love people and tell them about Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's my job. Yeah. And uh, would I love it if they would find expression for their worship and service in the congr- in the context of an established church community? Yes, yep. absolutely. But I know that when you're a young adult and you're trying to figure these things out, the last thing you need is a grown-up coming into your face and saying, you need to be in church. Right. You know, so instead I talked to this person about, you know, how are you and your boyfriend praying together? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you pray with your friends when you all gather for a meal? Mm. Like, what does that look like? Um, Because that's what's going to shape her heart. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think eventually, you know, they'll find their way to a church, to and whatever church is. Of It could be a house church. It could be a small church. It could be, you know, a small group within a really large church. Mm-hmm. But they're going to find their way to the communion of saints because that's how the Holy Spirit works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I've got hope because Jesus is Lord of the church. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I've got hope because I don't hear students saying they're rejecting Jesus. I hear them right. saying they're giving a side eye to the church. Yeah. Right. And, you know, honestly, some of the church needs to have the side eye given to side it. Side eye. I love the side eye. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Which they also learn that in church in some cases. Yes. <laughs> side eye. <laughs> I got a side eye from my mom sitting in Aww. church on Sunday. <laughs> Mary, you have a great line on your preacher2preacher.net site um, where you say, when we preach, we teach people how to spot God, which I love. And so Chris and I were wondering, as we pondered that quote, where are you spotting God these days? Where where have you been like, ah, there's God? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, man, all over the place. Uh, one of the big things for me is I love creation. Mm. I love to be outdoors. Um, I love to pay attention to what God is up to. Mm. We had baby foxes in our backyard oh. in summer, mm. which was so much fun. We'd never had them before. And suddenly we've yeah. got eight baby foxes and a mom and a dad. And, you know, just paying better attention to creation. It's like, Look at how this little family is figuring out yeah. how to work in the world. And then wow. once the foxes left, then our chipmunks came back. Right. And then the bunnies <laughs> came back. You know, because and we've we have had these amazing deer in our backyard. And for me, it's like I think it's not unlike the elderly saints in church where these right. creatures do what they have always done. And yeah. there is a rhythm, right? Yeah. There's the rhythm of created life. And I just continue to pray mm. um, for creation care. I continue to pray for those who are working to solve our climate crisis. I just, that is heavy on my heart. And so mm. when I see nature and I'm just like, come on creation, yeah. like mm. everything is wired in you for life yeah. and for flourishing Yeah, and get us out of the way, Lord, so we can help your creation flourish. Mm. Um, and the rhythm I, Rhythms. It's yeah. about rhythms. Yeah. Right. Um, my uh, my husband and I um, were recently able his car that he had forever, three hundred fifty eight thousand miles. Um, the brakes went out, and we were finally like, okay, the time has come, you know, to say farewell, <laughs> the Chevy Cavalier, and you know, um, Drew is just he's just such a good thinker about how do we use money? How do we steward our gifts? How do we save? How do we give? So that there was no financial stress about the fact that we needed to get a new to us car. And um, we have a dear friend who works in the field and was able to help us. And his team was amazing. And I just, and I said to Drew, like, isn't it just such a, a beautiful gift that God's given you the ability to be proactive around our money stuff and he's given us this communion of saints so that here we are in this car. And we like feel like such grownups because we're we both like been driving just crap cars because you know we're that's just not big for us. But to have like a, a new to us car uh-huh. that 
provide that was no financial stress and actually helped us to lean a little bit into the communion of saints. I'm like, mm-hmm. Lord, right? I mean, that's yeah. just a really tangible gift that I just think, you know, if I didn't have this husband who was like really wise about money stuff, yeah. like yeah. I probably would have figured it out on my own as a single person, but to have a partner like that, it's just great. Yeah. Just great. So you know, you just pay attention to how God lines stuff up. We have um, one last question today. Um, we we wrestled with a little bit. How do you depict open to wonder? Um, mm-hmm. How do you even image that? And and what we landed on for our logo, um, which we're talking about this season a bit, um, is taking a pew bench from a church and plunking it outside on grass. So our logo is a pew bench on grass outside. And Mm -hmm. it's something as we talk about it, we imagine seeing in a park somewhere, Um, kind of there's this out of place church pew sitting in the middle of a park. We also realize that some parks have like speaker stages and places where people can get up and talk and people sitting on the benches go, huh, I wonder about that. That makes me think. Let's talk about this. So let's imagine for a moment that you get the stage, the speaker stage, and you get to say anything you want on this park speaker stage. What's the one thing you'd want to tell everybody from that Mm -hmm. stage? And this is everybody, anybody? Everybody and anybody who happens to be walking by and listening. Yeah. Uh, I would say you are deeply loved more than you would ever know. And if you want to know by whom, come and talk to me. Hmm. A little bit of intrigue and mystery in that. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, we, we find, uh, I just, I think it was David Brooks or somebody just pointed out the lack of friendships that adults yeah, have. Yeah. yeah. And so to be known and to be loved I think is the role of the church Mm. in the next phase. We've done a lot about knowledge. We've done a lot about what do you know, instead of knowing each other and loving each other. And I feel we've been really pushing, like we need to get things right. Mm -hmm. And I, and I just think that the rising generations are saying, I want to be known. I want to be loved. I want to be safe. Mm. And if the church can do that, we're going to be okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. So true. To be known, to be loved, to be safe. Thank you, Mary. Thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for sharing a bit about your work and who you love. This has been extremely um, helpful and encouraging. Um. To our listeners, if you want to get in touch with Mary, you can do so by email at pastormary@calvin.edu. To learn more about her preaching consultation service, um, definitely visit preacher2preacher.net. And also in 2019, Mary gave a really powerful address at the Inspire Conference. It was titled, Excited for the Church, Raising Up the Next Generation of Leaders. And um, the link is too long for me to say here, but we're going to include it in our episode notes because it was a powerful, um, practical 
incredibly helpful message. And um, I just want to encourage people to, to check it out and listen to it. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day to sit down with us and, and to just share your, your heart. This has been really awesome. Great. It's been really fun to me. Thank you for inviting me and may God richly bless uh, the work you do here on this podcast. Thanks, Mary. Open to Wonder is a podcast by Faith Formation Ministries. If you've enjoyed wondering with us, please leave us a review. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at CRC Faith Formation and on Twitter at CRC underscore FFM. Please feel free to send us an email as well, faithformation at crcna.org. We would love to hear from you, our listeners. You can also find us online where we share toolkits and resources for growing faith. All of those links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening.